Let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. How's it going, Rangers and overall hockey fans? Thank you guys so much for chiming into Rangers Review, episode 49, wherever you get your podcasts, or if you're watching live as well on YouTube or watching replay, really appreciate everyone's support here. Myself, Wardy, you guys probably know me from Wardy NYM, alongside good friend Staff Boy Steven. That is the guru of all things New York Rangers on Twitter, the best follow out there. And we have a lot to break down today on the past three games for the Rangers that unfortunately didn't fare nearly as well as what I was hoping for, as what all of us were hoping for, but definitely positives and negatives to take away from these past three games. So we'll be giving our quick analysis and breakdown on recapping them. Then we'll also be getting into the upcoming schedule for the Rangers. Should be a shorter pod than what it was a couple days ago. I'm not feeling as rusty as we were uh, coming back from the all-star break, just like the team, but playing a deep dive, looking forward to it as always. And Steven, how are you doing today, my friend? Good, good. Uh, yeah, I hope our uh, our episode tonight will be a little bit more structured than last week. Just, just uh, a little bit, just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. We were running running around like like crazy people last week, but we were <laughs> first reporting in three weeks. We had a lot to catch up on, so yeah. Uh, but can I start by saying, you got nothing, sir. I know, I I know, I know. You you don't need to remind me. Yes. Oh, Steve- oh so when you win. Yes, exactly, exactly. I'm I'm allowed to drill down your throat how happy I am. You can't do it vice versa. That's not how this okay. works. So when it you would have to sit through all this, but when I win, I should just shut up. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, see see how easy it was to realize that, Stephen? It's, like, it's, like, it's like my marriage all over again. <laughs> um, yeah, for guys that don't know if this is your first time listening to the pod, what we do, and I always recap this, but because we get new viewers, is that towards the end of every episode when we look at the upcoming schedule say the next two three games before we discuss again we share our predictions if i say you know the rangers gonna win this main game steven says that then if neither of us get the uh the record correct then we go into okay how to break the ties by having um a certain amount of goals the rangers score now i picked the rangers to go three no over the past three games they went one two and oh uh and i also picked the rangers to score at least nine goals so i didn't win by any stretch so the um and you know, the imaginable uh, championship belt is still with Steven for a second week. Not too happy about that. We got to got to get my bearing straight and hopefully get a get a good prediction in by the time. Uh, this you're doing is done. fine. You're doing fine with your predictions. Oh, no, I, I know. Yeah. And I knew it was ballsy, you know, three. No, especially with a stretch where I will say uh, the game that I was one of the games I was most concerned with, obviously, wasn't um, the one that ended up being the problem. Um, but these were games where, especially when you looked at the competition, the Rangers definitely should have. Um, I think they fared pretty well at times. I thought there were some times, you know, where things weren't in their favor, especially that we'll be getting into here shortly. But all in all, I will say that this was, even though, yes, you had two losses to one win, it doesn't, it wasn't as bad as I think what it would look like just on the forefront when you're looking at the paper. Um, but yeah, we're going to get into these games now. Um, Steven, I'll take away with a game one of this 51. Uh, if you want to take a game two then, and then I'll do game three. Um, and then we'll, of course, share our thoughts like we normally do. But 
yeah, Steven, again, kudos to you on the championship win. Uh, you can drill down my throat all you want. You know, I'm just busting your balls here. But let's get into this one because the Rangers are now third in the Metro. They're 33-15-5, and five, 71 points on the season in 53 games played. Their past three games going into this stretch against start off against the Capitals. And that was a game where I naturally had PTSD because the last time the Rangers played the Capitals, that was the only game I've been to physically in attendance this year, went all the way to DC, which is not necessarily close by me to see them get blown. I think it was what five, nothing five, one was the final. It was not a fun game to attend. So there was a lot going into this one and you could see right from the jump, as soon as the puck dropped, the, the Rangers just had the upper hand in a lot of ways. They had a great pace to start this one. And, just really strong play all around against the Capitals team that's chomping at the bit to try to get back in the top three in the Metro. But it starts things off here in the first period thanks to a Mika Zbanjad goal, which was a beauty set up by, yes, Alexi Lafreniere, which is a big topic of discussion today. A beautiful draw pass along that right side, and then Zbanjad just rips one right away for a nice goal to give the Rangers the early one nothing lead here. And then when we go further into this one, Staying and going to the second period now, this is where Alexi Lafreniere continues to shine, right? We get into the second period, and he gets himself a nice tip-in goal. That would be his 11th of the season, and I'm just trying to pull up the assist right now because I didn't have the schedule put up here, so bear with me just one second because it's showing me March when I know this game was still in February. But yeah, Lafreniere got a nice tip-in, and this was just the start of him having a very good three-game stretch here, and really has been thriving with more minutes. Even though he hasn't been gaining points every game, obviously, was taking advantage of the opportunities given to him, and I think we saw more of a Lafreniere than we've seen, especially in large parts of the season, but 11th goal of the season, assisted by Lindgren, who got the shot off from the point with his sixth apple of the year. And Zabanjad's goal also was his 20th, assisted by, of course, Lafreniere and Jones. But then we get into the third period in this one, and Chris Kreider does what Chris Kreider does. He scores pretty close in front of the net, you know, gets himself a nice kind of wraparound thing going on with the goaltender. He gets his 34th of the year to make it a 3-0 lead for the Rangers in the third period, over halfway through in this one. And this is a, a less than halfway through, I should say, assisted by Fox for his 42nd apple of the year. And Zabanjad was 33rd assist. So Zabanjad had a multi-point game in this one, as did Alexi Lafreniere. And then at insult to injury, the Rangers get a two-on-one down halfway through in the third period. And Barkley Goudreau gets a beautiful goal that was set up perfectly by, yes, Kevin Rooney. Goudreau's 11th of the year, assisted by Rooney's fifth apple, and Reeves' eighth assist. And then right when you thought that Igor Shosturkin was destined to have a beautiful shutout, the one man that is always going to go score a goal, no matter how it happens, he's just going to do it, Alexander Ovechkin. He scores his 32nd of the year right in front with just a minute left, assisted by Kuznetsov. I was so pissed off when that happened. Igor deserved this shutout more than life itself. He played on absolutely phenomenal, like he usually does. A stellar performance, but no less. Igor kept it everything afloat, and the Rangers thankfully got the goals when it mattered most because they got outshot in this one 37 to 21. They got dominated in the faceoff dot 63 to 37. Power plays, neither team scored. Um, hits wise, favored the Rangers 24 to 17. Blocks tied 10 10 apiece, and giveaways right around the same at eight and nine apiece, respectively. But yeah, what really stood out in this one was Igor Shosturkin having 36 saves on 37 shots. Should have had that shutout. That was a frustrating way uh, to end it, of course, in the final minute of all things. And this would be the first of all three games that we would see without 
Patrick Nemeth because he's been dealing with injury day to day, but also Philip Heedle, who's healthy, who's been out as a healthy scratch in which guys like Greg McKegg have been gaining playing time and also Morgan Barron that we'll be getting into. So, Stephen, what was your recap on this game? I thought that this was easily one of the better games for the Rangers this season. I know the Caps got a lot of shots off, but it was really a matter of selective shooting in this one. And this is where I really felt that the Rangers took best advantage of the opportunities given them, especially against a goaltender like Samsonov, who's not terrible by any means, but their other goaltender, Vanacek, is the one that's really had the Rangers' number since he hit the NHL with the Caps. Yeah, I think for the Rangers, what really stood out this game was that all four goals came at even strength, which uh, is something that was desperately needed, uh, especially when you consider how few power plays the Rangers have been getting in the three games preceding that um, since the All-Star break. So... Seeing them score at even strength four times is definitely a big positive, but you can also tell that you can tell how much this team relies on Igor Shesterkin. Yeah. Um, now, finally, we start to see people like, you know, we start to see NHL reporters having the conversation about Igor Shesterkin for the Hart Trophy. The Vezina is a lock. There's no way anyone else other than Shishchokin wins the Vezina this season. But he's in the conversation for the Hart Trophy. His numbers are better than Carey Price in 2015 when he won the Hart Trophy. Uh, but yeah, the Rangers win this game against the Capitals. First game against the Capitals since opening night. Um, so it was difficult to really get a feel for what to expect. But yeah, uh, solid win for the Rangers against a division rival, which is a good thing. Um, and then, yeah, unfortunately, they go into another game against a division rival when they had not played this season yet. Before we get there, Stephen, I just have to cut yeah. you off quickly because yeah. if you're watching the live stream right now, we do have a donation, a generous one from Davis, who's been a great supporter oh. on the channel. Thank you so much for that, Davis. Really appreciate that $20 donation. Says, went to the Caps game. I remember you saying last episode that you were going. Awesome. The Reeves effect was in full bloom as Wilson seemed invisible the entire game. It was a non-factor. Great one for them. Great job as always. Thank you so much. And you, yeah. you couldn't have said it better. Yes, Tom Wilson was a non-factor, and that was mm-hmm. all in the hand with Revo. It's it's yeah. funny how and- the Rangers go out of their way to land Reeves, you know, mm-hmm. especially for the Tom Wilson aspect. And Wilson wants nothing to do with him. And Reeves is smart. He's not going to just take a stupid penalty for the sake of taking one. He's only going to do it if it obviously benefits the team, if a fight is warranted. Because we did see a scuffle in this one, but it wasn't between Reeves and Wilson. I'm trying – who was it? It was – who was it between? I'm forgetting. Uh, Lindgren and Sherry, I think. Yeah, yeah, Lindgren and Sherry, which didn't last long. They were just hacking at each other yeah. right towards the end of the game. No, but but Reeves is is having an impact on this team without dropping the gloves. And yeah, that fourth goal against the Capitals by Goudreau with the assist by Rooney, which makes Rooney a better passer than Panarin because, as you remember, Goudreau had several two and one breakaways with Panarin the last couple of weeks. And neither of those resulted in a goal. But Rooney, beautiful pass. But that all started with Reeves out-muscling Wilson uh, right after the face-off in her own zone. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that Reeves is having a great impact on this team. Um, but, yeah, uh, good win. Um, nothing more you can ask from this team to, to go out there and, and beat the Capitals 4-1. Uh, we are still in a tight playoff race, not so much to make the playoffs because I think we're we're solid 
we were in a solid position to make it. I don't think we're going to miss the playoffs at all. It's all about seeding now. You yes. know, you're going to finish second or third in the division, which whether or not you finish second, it, it, it matters because you get home ice advantage if you finish in second place. So the win against the Capitals and getting that in regulation was definitely a good one. On the flip side, the next game against the Penguins go, goes the exact opposite way. Um, and, yeah, looking into that game, you know, you go into Pittsburgh where the Rangers just aren't really that comfortable the last couple of years, uh, or actually the last 10, 15 years. The Rangers have always struggled, in my opinion, or from my memory, when they play in Pittsburgh. Uh, only, when play, only when it's playoff hockey do I think it's a yeah, bit of an extra. Yeah, when they when they play the Penguins at home, they are usually doing well. But it's those games in Pittsburgh where where something happens. And you know, I'm not one to complain about referees or about the decisions the referees are making. Yeah, you're quite the opposite usually. But in this game, there was a blatant mistake by the referees, a hook and call on Lindgren that. Absolute joke. It was directly resulted into a power play goal by Evgeny Malkin, which was the only game of the, of the uh, only goal of the game. Um, that was a terrible call. Um, I, I've I've had my issues with how referees call cross checks, and uh, there was something happening in this game. I'm not going to go into that because that is something systemic in the league. Uh, that's not going to change, but that call on Lindgren made no sense to me, and it, unfortunately, that leads to the only goal against. Uh, Igor Shesturkin uh, put up a 964 save percentage and still doesn't get the team to ev- even to overtime. Um, and, you know, with, this will go into the next game that you're recapping against the Canucks, but I don't want to complain too much about the referees when your offense cannot score a goal in five periods of hockey. That that's fair, and when, you know when you get shut out by Tristan Jari and Thatcher Demko for five periods of hockey, you have bigger problems than the referees giving away uh, a, a power play. That said, that power play was crucial because like Malkin scored the only goal of the game. But yeah, it was it was unfortunate. Um, first game against the Penguins, you really hope to get something out of it because the Penguins are the other team the Rangers are in. A fierce battle with for that yes. second spot in the Metropolitan Division. So losing losing a division game in regulation is the worst thing that could possibly happen. You want to get at least a point. If you're going to lose, get it at least to overtime. But unfortunately, they were unable to. Um, and the Rangers had some opportunities. You know that they had a they great had power plenty play. Of opportunities. They, they started, in my opinion, started really well. That those yeah. first two minutes. When Evan Rodriguez was called on the uh, for the hold and the Rangers go on the power play after a minute fifty, I remember saying to friends, "I really like what I'm seeing from the Rangers. We have a really good start for once. You know, we have a good start to the game. We're coming off a four-one win against a division rival, and then we go into Pittsburgh and we have a really strong start. Those first two minutes were great, and they extended it with the power play. But after the first ten minutes of the game." They they slid back into that 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 purgatory of of not being able to create anything, and it was so frustrating. We did get shots on net, don't get me wrong, but the quality of the shots just wasn't there. You know, we got twenty seven shots. Jari saved all twenty seven, and aside from maybe one or two, they, they were they weren't really 
game-breaking saves, you know, not the saves that we see from Shashjorkin on a on a on a nightly basis. And Shashjorkin made 25 shots on 26 or 20 25 saves on 26 shots. And most of his saves were much more noticeable because of how the Penguins were able to cut through our defense. So the fact that we lost this game by one goal is a miracle. Um, and also, I'll get into that in a second. Chris Kreider, um, you know how that how that man has not scored another goal in the last two games is unbelievable. Fourteen oh shots, fourteen shots on goal in the last two games combined against the Penguins and the Canucks. Uh, but without giving it away, I'm pretty sure people know that Kreider didn't get any points in those two games. I looked it up. You know, only 14 other players in Rangers history had back-to-back games with at least six shots on goal and finishing those two games with, with zero points. This was the first time since March 2013 that, that it happened to, to a player to have this in back-to-back games. And it's, who was that player? Do you know? Uh, Ryan Callahan. Oh, Captain Callie. Ryan Callahan, Rick Nash, Chris Higgins, Brendan Dubinsky. And after Dubinsky, you have to go back all the way to 1999 to Theo Fleury. So he's, wow. only, the sixth, he's only the fifth player this century to have back-to-back games with six shots on goal without ending up with a point. It's it's unbelievable. It's, it's he, so unlucky. He's so unlucky. And especially the Canucks game that you will, you will dive into in a second. He had some great opportunities oh there. And I'm he was, baffled he was that none of those went in. This, those past two games, he was high flying. It wasn't for a lack of effort on Kreider's part yeah. and just showing his dominance, even though that, yes, he's not scoring a goal, you know, per game pace right mm-hmm. now. He's still yeah. having endless opportunities that he himself is creating. You know, it's more so than him just throwing himself right in front, hoping that he's going to get a tip in. You know, it's more, it's mm-hmm. far more than that. But to yeah. circle back for a second, just on this game quick, it was statistically, it was basically even right down the line you know shots 27 26 face-offs the rangers actually won which is great after game manhandled against the caps 54 to 46 here power play was at x factor again with that mulkin one timer um on the uh right dot and then which was poor defense might i add to the fact that they let mulkin get open like that on the right side um penalty mitts even the same hits favored the rangers 43 39 big hitting game Blocks 16 to 19 favoring the Penguins and then giveaways favored the Rangers five to nine. So going back to you now, just this game yep. in itself, yes, that they didn't get as much quality as you were hoping for, but yeah, I would, I would agree with you. This, this felt different in the type of saves that Jari made at times versus even how Demko made that will be getting into. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. When, when we get into the Canucks game, uh, if we compare these two goalies, Demko, Demko won the Canucks the game. Yes, because without Demko play, Demko made Chesterkin like saves. Uh, Tristan Jari, Tristan Jari played like Georgiev playing in Toronto. You know, yeah, he makes the saves that he's supposed to make, and the shot quality <laughs> isn't great, so he ends with a shutout. It's you know those games happen sometimes. Or no, actually, Georgiev this season at home against the Sharks is probably a better example where the Sharks were just unable to create decent scoring opportunities. That's the game Jari had, and he gets a shout-out. Congratulations to him. But this game was, um, yeah, one to forget. Like, the fact that we had six full minutes of four-on-four hockey and and that not opening the game up tells you all you need to know about this game. Yeah. It, 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 felt, it, like, was a tough it felt like a playoff game. 
it did feel like a playoff game. That's exactly the type of vibe I was getting. It was, it was a grinder uh, to yeah. put it lightly. And now shifting things from Pittsburgh to Vancouver, this is one where there were a lot of things going wrong and don't get me wrong. Do I feel that if Igor Shosturkin was a net, the Rangers would have had a, a much stronger chance of winning. Yes, I do. That naturally just happens when you have the best cold center in the world on your team. Yuryev did not play great, but he wasn't at fault for everything either when you look at exactly how those goals were scored. But yeah, Vancouver, that was fresh, went into this one. And JT Miller, the former Ranger that there's been plenty of rumors about, did put on a show. He got some very key assists in this one. Very strong performance. And Vancouver overall, just they outplayed the Rangers in a lot of ways. The Rangers looked like a team that was playing on a back-to-back, especially in that second period. But to start things off, in the first period, Tanner Pearson scores in the slot. Not great defense at all. There really wasn't a, much blocking from him. He got a clear shot off on Georgiev. You could say Georgiev, that should have been a nice save considering he had an open lane. He's able to see everything. You can make that argument. It was still a nice shot on Pearson, glove side, and that gave uh, the early lead. That was assisted, of course, by JT Miller. So, uh, Tanner Pearson's 10th goal assisted by Miller almost had 40 assists at that point and then staying in the first period right towards the end in the final 40 seconds Tyler Myers scores his first of the season along the left side gets a nice one t nice shot again a goal that your should have saved in my opinion assisted by Miller and Highmore you knew Myers was going to score not just because one he didn't have a goal at all yet this season but two he was playing in front of his mother because his brother actually is Quentin Grimes, who is the rookie for the New York Knicks. So it's really interesting. I, I, I yeah. saw that pregame, and, and that, I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't know either. Very cool. So obviously, um, you know, two different fathers, but Grimes, who's like a decade younger than Myers, they're both obviously massive, you know, height-wise. Um, so you can see where the genes are coming from there. But still very, very cool. Uh, for Myers, at least, not happy that it was against the Rangers, no less. But Quinn Grimes, obviously, for the Knicks, was very happy to see that live um, in the Garden. Uh, but then we get into the second period for the Rangers. And this, again, is where you start to see endless opportunities by Kreider, and by, especially Kreider, man. He was high-flying the amount of times he was charging the net, either you know front-facing or coming along the right or left side. It just felt like he had endless opportunities, but Demko kept stopping them. Demko looked stellar in this one, and huge hats off to him. Because in the second period, the Rangers did get outplayed. Outside of Kreider doing what Kreider does, the Vancouver was the better team. And Rangers really started to fall here in the second. And then you get a tip-in by um, Lamico. Um, Lamico, I'm probably saying his last name wrong. I apologize. His sixth of the year, assisted by Brain Schnen, uh, less than 10 minutes into the uh, second period. That made a 3 nothing game uh, favoring Vancouver. And then another tip-in. This was by Matthew Highmore. Only his third of the season, assisted by Ekman Larson and Tyler Myers, and that was on the power play, shut off by Ekman Larson on the point, and that was tipped in along the left side by Highmore. So then we get into the third period, and if there's one positive to take away from this game, I honestly say it really is Alexi Lafreniere in a lot of ways. He was you, – you, text, you texted me right after the goal. I know, I, and I told you this is what we were looking for because – before we can get there, Alexi Lafreniere should have easily had two assists in that first period, but the Rangers simply couldn't bury it. He was setting up people like No Tomorrow, looking mm-hmm. fantastic with the playmaking. Then in the third period, what has Steven been preaching for, especially if you listen to our last episode a couple days ago? Steven has been saying it. We've all been in agreement. I don't think anyone can disagree. Alexi Lafreniere, we want to see him score an Alexi Lafreniere-type goal. I feel like every single goal he scores is either an open net or, you know, it's a tip in in front. It's it's just, it's all in the crease, right? You haven't seen that snipe show from him yet. Well, what does he do here? He gets a setup, beautiful pass by Mika Zibanejad and the left dot to the right dot, and Lafreniere gets all of it, a beautiful one-timer. 
uh, to get Demko, and that was his 12th goal of the season, assisted by his manager as 34th Apple. I would say one of Lafreniere's, if not the best goal he scored in his career, definitely one of them. That was a goal scorer's goal that we're finally seeing. And game by game, you can tell that Lafreniere, with the increased ice time, he's looking more and more confident. You know, for a it's, while, it's, we're amazing, it's amazing. It's amazing what happens to your first overall pick when you play him with players who actually put up points. Exactly. And and you can see the connection between him and Zibanejad in particular that really yeah. have stood out over these past three games. They were the stars of the show. But then going into the second goal for the Rangers that they'd scored, that was Ryan Strom, assisted by Panarin and Fox. Panarin's 42nd apple and Fox's 43rd. Ryan Strom got his 11th goal of the season. A little backhand right in front of the net. Um, so strong goal there by Ryan Strom. But that's all the Rangers could do. Um, Elias Pettersson scores his 17th of the year, who's been streaky this year, but has definitely picked up the pace over these past you know 15 games um, for Vancouver. Um, gets the empty there, and that ends this one. This was a frustrating game, though. Look, I understand the Rangers were on a back-to-back, so it's not all that outlandish to see them sluggish, but defensively in this one, too, especially on both tip and goals. You can even make the argument for the Pearson goal, but on, you know, Lamico's and Highmore's goal, poor defense. There's no one on them in front whatsoever, mm-hmm. especially Lamico's. Well, that, that's something that should have been prevented in my mind. I would say all four goals because that first goal, Tanner Pearson, is wide open in the slot. That's a high-danger area yeah um can you look if that's just Jorkin, i expect him to make the save but it wasn't just Jorkin in that it was georgiev and the reason georgiev is a backup is because he's not as good as Shashorkin. look when a player is that open like with that much space and time in that position i i'm sorry i cannot blame the goalie for that the second goal by myers is probably one that he wants back but Keandre Miller was nowhere in sight. Keandre yeah, Miller was was up front. He missed the tip in, and then he was he 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 couldn't get back in time. So a, a defenseman is out of position. Yeah, that's probably the one that he wants back. Goals three and four is a deflection right in front of him. No one should ever blame the goalie for that. And then the fifth goal was an empty net goal. I I'm not gonna say Georgiev played great, but I wouldn't blame the loss on him and this i circle back to what i said earlier i i cannot complain about a backup goalie or about the officiating when our offense struggles to score for five out of six periods that that's just unacceptable and it highlights the bigger issue this team has and i was really hoping they were going to build on that capitals game where they scored four four goals at even strength but that third line just does not produce we have dryden hunt on the second line who is 11th among forwards on this team in points and he's on the second line it's this team has so many holes and and i don't think you can fix you can fix all of that at a deadline look something needs to change with this team uh for them to be more consistent but let's just enjoy the ride and see where it ends let's hope they can recover from this they're playing the Blues tomorrow, uh, and then I think the Devils and Jets. Yes, yeah, Friday and we'll, be, and we'll be getting into that. Yeah, so they have they have three games. Well, the Blues are, are a tough opponent, but the games against the Devils and the Jets that are coming up, they should be able to uh, to rebound there. You know, those are games where you are you are the superior team. So those are the games that you should win. Although the Devils actually beat the Canucks, I think, 6-1 last night. 
Yes, they did. The Canucks on their second of a back-to-back get completely outplayed and outscored. And, by the, the, and the Devils have been playing spo- spoiler because they dominated the Penguins before the Rangers played them too. Yeah, yeah, I was kind of upset with that. Not because the Devils won six one, because but just because we knew the Pens were going to come out really hard in their next. Exactly, one. I yeah. don't care if the Devils win. You know, as long yeah. as they don't make the playoffs, I don't care. They can win every game nine nothing as long as they don't make the playoffs. I really do not care. But they gave the Penguins the wake up call right before they played the Rangers. That annoyed me. Yeah, yeah. I I agree with you, and that's how my the dad felt. Their, the timing of their win annoyed me, not the win itself. Um, I wish the, the, the Penguins back-to-back was reversed so they would have played us first and then the Devils. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, Unfortunately, that didn't happen. But look, the Rangers have a lot of talent up front. But when the top six is not producing, no one is. Yeah, and be- before we deep dive that further, because I do want to spend a good chunk on just the forward configuration and Philip Heedle, especially with the man being the odd man out lately, uh, the Rangers and the Canucks in that game were basically even 34-33 shots piece. Rangers lost face-offs 54-46. Power play only took one for the Canucks to execute on that tip in by Highmore. Uh, hits favored the Rangers uh, 26-18. Blocks favored Canucks 12-10. And giveaways favored the Canucks two to seven. So yeah, this was a game that again not all that surprising that the Rangers didn't necessarily have the best legs for in the back to back, but still one that you would hope that the Rangers could leg out and do have a better performance than what we saw, especially in that second period is where it felt like okay, there's very slim chance in my mind that the Rangers are going to come back this one. It was nice to see them bounce back a little bit in the third, but still just wasn't enough to get it done. And to your point, as you said earlier, yes, I have been a critic of Georgiev. I always will be, but. He was not at fault for everything here in this game. He was not at fault singly, um, singly for the loss. This was more so on the defense. You could see it. And this goes not just for, you know, the Keandre Millers of the world. This goes for everyone defensively. Adam Fox, I don't think – I love Foxy, but I don't think he's been playing his best hockey over these past couple games, personally. I think that pair with Lindgren needs to be needs to be better. And then offensively, the same thing. You need to get more from Panarin, especially. And I understand – Guys gaining a little bit of a slow start, you know, after coming back from the All-Star break. It's been a little bit now. I want to see some more consistency with him because it's clear that when the Rangers don't have their top guys rolling, they have nothing going for them. So to your point, again, what are they going to do offensively now, right? I think it's a good time now to shift into Heedle's future because Gallant, as we know, has been favoring the McKegs of the world and the Barons of the world over giving Heedle ice time over these past three games, being a healthy scratch. So, my question to you, Stephen, what has your takeaway been seeing Heedle out of the lineup, seeing how the Rangers have played? Do you think that Heedle still should be in this lineup for the bottom six? Do you think that he is still a better fit than McKegg or even Barron to a certain extent? And do you think that Heedle's future with the Rangers is coming to a quick end, knowing how he has been treated at least over these three games now, or if the Rangers are still going to try to uh, work things out with him for the remainder of the year heading into the offseason? Yeah, let's start off by saying that I'm happy that Morgan Barron is getting some game time. Agreed. Um, that guy had been, like I said last time, that guy's been in the press box so long, he started to decorate the walls. Yeah, he made, he made it nice and cozy at home. He made it nice and cozy for himself, yeah. So for him to get some game time, perfect, great. We, I was waiting for that. Um, Heedle... Would I play Heedle over some of the other forwards in the lineup? Absolutely. I would play Heedle over Dryden Hunt. I would play Heedle over Greg McKegg. That's a no-brainer. 
I would probably play Hedl over Julien Gauthier. But Hedl Gauthier for me is a toss-up. You can go either way. I mean, it doesn't upset me that Gauthier plays over Hedl. It, it annoys me that Hunt and McKegg are in the lineup. You know, Mc, Hunt and McKegg are not NHL players. I'm sorry. They are. Uh, on a contender, they should not be on the team. You know, if you are a bottom feeder, then you can have them on your team. But on a contender, if you want to really be a contender, if you want to be a playoff team, those players should be nowhere near your lineup. With Hedl, I don't know. My my biggest concern with Hedl, and I brought this up in the past too, the, the past couple of weeks, he reminds me a lot of Michael Delzato in the fact that, in my opinion, he's no longer developing. He actually is regressing. When the Rangers had Delzato, he had a really strong rookie year. He had a really solid second year. And after that, it just got worse and worse. And they traded him for Kevin Klein, and that was the right move to make at the time. I feel the same way about Philip Hedl. Philip Hedl showed a lot of promise early on, uh, had some really strong games, you know, but he's, he's very streaky. When he's not on his game, he's a liability. And, and it's getting to the point where his hot streaks are no longer enough to make up for the cold streaks. Um, I still think he has value in a trade. It's probably going to be a one-for-one -one trade where you trade him for a guy that it might be disgruntled in his organization who might be struggling and also needs a change of scenery. Uh, yeah. I did see someone suggest uh, Comtois of the Ducks. Maxime Comtois? I, I think Hedo for Comtois is an interesting pr proposal. I think it can work for both teams. Um, Comtois feels like a very, a very much like a Chris Drury uh pick i mean if chris drury had a draft pick in 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 the draft where comtois was selected that's the type of play i expect him to go after so it's, it's not it's not an unreasonable proposal um so comtois, I, I, I looked him up because i haven't been following him this season okay. um you know only has six points in 31 games this year mm -hmm. last season you know in the short season he broke out he had 33 points in 55 games 16 goals 17 assists so yeah. what happened i don't know the situation in anaheim so if there's any ducks fans that potentially come across this uh, on mm -hmm. youtube at least let me know in the comments what has been the issue with him um but yeah that's that's an interesting one you know he's a left winger so it's not like the Rangers would be gaining a getting a center in return, but uh, maybe that's best for them too. Who knows? Yeah, but look, the fact that Hedl is a healthy scratch for two games in a row with the trade three games deadline, in a row or three games in a row, yeah, with the trade deadline only being three weeks away, that does fuel the speculation, of course, because normally players become a healthy scratch this time of year when they are getting traded. Yeah, and they want to make sure they don't get hurt. Just obviously, they, they, they don't want to risk injury because then you ruin a trade. But three games in a row as a healthy scratch is a bit much, I think. Um, I also think that he should have played after the shutout against the Penguins. If you get shut out and you don't make any changes to your lineup, as a coach, I don't think that sends the right message. Especially on a back-to-back -back too, though. You know, it and just on, it gives further yeah. reasoning. Aside from the fact that it's a back-to-back -back where you also travel, it's not like you played both games at home. So it's a back-to-back -back with travel where you get shut out in, in the first game of your back-to-back. -back. You can make changes to your lineup and it's fine. You can, you can, you can call someone up, try, to, try, try something new, 
or if you want to still play the same 18 skaters, mix it up a bit, you know, the next game. Maybe try a different combination. Maybe put someone else on Panarin's line other than Dryden Hunt, who, from my memory, hasn't scored in two months. Yeah, Hunt is just one of those guys where I'm I'm still trying I'm still scratching my head as to why has Gallant been favored. It's it's so yeah. bizarre to me, and this doesn't just go with Gallant. It feels like no, no matter it's, what it's, coach the Rangers have, there's always yeah. that one guy that has it's, no it's right not, to be there. It's not a Gallant issue. It's not a Gallant issue. It's no, just it's an it's NHL just coaching issue. It is an NHL coaching issue. And it, look, it, is Hunt doing his best Howden impression where he's just winning every practice? Which is justifying him to stay in the, not just stay in the lineup, being but being the top six possibly. But to your point too, how you were saying how you would prefer even Heedle over him, I agree. I mean, I know that right wing isn't Heedle's natural position, but I don't see how Heedle can't potentially benefit that second line more than mm. what Hunt has to this point. And I know that by doing that, you sacrifice your bomb six depth. So I I understand that that's a thought process between why behind why you don't want to do that much. Yeah, I saw Hedl there earlier this year and he looked good. But, but I, listen, I, I listen. think Hedl's a winner. He doesn't he, he doesn't drive depth, the offense. Bottom six depth. Our third line cannot score a goal. I know. So what are you sacrificing? You're not it's sacrificing true. anything because our third line is not doing anything. If I could make three changes to this team, it would be the three the three guys on the third line. Because that third line is just non-existent. And the thing is, is that the fourth line, for the most part, has been okay. Like, the fourth line really has been much of an issue for the Rangers The this fourth season. line is, doing, is producing more than the third line. That's an issue. Yeah, that's the red flag. And it's funny that we're saying this because going into the season, I don't know if you recall this, my thing was, and I've always preached this, is I just I love even balance with lines, especially where the Rangers could yeah. have a competent fourth line. So I was like, okay, this is great. You know, the Rangers are finally going to be a deeper team, but they're still, they still have the same struggles like they have in previous years, just not with the fourth line this time, but with the third line to, to a stronger extent. Yeah. Well, look, you trade away your top line winger. I'm not, not going to go into that in detail, but you know, just to summarize, you trade away your top line winger. You then have a disgruntled, you have a disagreement with the disgruntled winger who plays the same position who goes back to Russia. And then on top of that, you have Sammy Blay, who gets injured in November. For, he's out for the rest of the season. And a couple of weeks ago, Kako is out. He has, a, he, I think he had wrist surgery because his, 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 his hand is in a cast. Look, I'm not saying that, that, I'm not saying that the Rangers haven't been unlucky when it comes to, you know, their, their situation, but there are still better options than Dryden Hunt to play in the top six. I'm not a fan of Barkley Gouda in the top six, but I'd play him in the top six over Dryden Hunt any day. Oh, now, yeah, of course. You can make the case that taking Gudra out of your bottom six weakens your bottom six. That I can that I can agree with. Yeah. Um, but Hedl on the third line does nothing. He does nothing to help this team win games on the third line. Uh, that third line of Lafreniere, Hedl, Gauthier was was fun on paper because oh, it's such a young team, and no, it was it was nowhere near the third line that you need if you're a playoff team. And I always go back to that 2013-14 season where you have Puglia, Brassard, Zuccarello, which is the most exceptional third line I've seen for the Rangers in my lifetime. Easily top six line for most clubs. Yeah. 
yeah, the problem is that we have two second lines ahead of them. But, or you, you could say we had three second lines that season. Yeah. Because all, all those lines would be, uh, would be a competent second line. But this year's third line is just not doing anything. It's, it's not doing anything. And then on top of that, you have Greg McKegg. What is Greg McKegg doing on an NHL team? I'm sorry. Nothing against Greg McKegg, but Greg McKegg should be in Hartford. So should Hunt. We we played a game in San Jose where we had Anthony Greco and Johnny Brodzinski and Tim Gettinger in the lineup. And they all outplayed Greg McKegg. Greg McKegg was the worst player on the team even though that team had three AHL players in the lineup. It's, You're not it's, wrong. It's unbelievable. And, yeah, it's not a Gallant issue. And, you know, I, I, I refer to some of his decisions as David Quinn uh, behavior because we've gotten used to David Quinn. Oh, David Quinn was a master at, at, you know, making wrong decisions. But coaches do this all the time. Alain Vigneault with Tanner Glass. Uh, they work together in Vancouver. Don't get me started with Tanner Glass. I know no, he's still in the Rangers organization. Yeah. I, I despise yeah, but, that man. <laughs> Player wise, they, they worked together in Vancouver, and then they signed him in New York. So Tanner Glass was a familiar face for Alain Vigneault, and the same thing is true for Greg McKegg. Greg McKegg worked with Gallant in Florida, so they have a history. Yep. And this is just human nature, you know. When you are unsure what to do, you 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 count on the people you know um but you know there are other baffling decisions like when the rangers pulled their goalie against the canucks they have a six on five situation on the ice how are ryan reeves and who was the other one was it goudreau or hunt i think it was reeves and hunt we're out there on the six on five. How? That that does not make any sense. I'm sorry. That I rather play three defensemen on the six on five than have Reeves and Hunt out there. I rather go with Fox, Truba, and Miller to to add to if you have Panarin, Zibanejad, and Kreider up front. I rather go with a three and three split if those are your other options at forward. It just it didn't make sense to me at all. It, it, but you know, this team just played two bad games following a four-one win against the division rival, and that's the most frustrating thing about this week. You know, we we come back from 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 the All Star break. We have a slow start against the Boston Bruins. We win that game in a shootout. Great. Then we go up against the Red Wings. We lose that game in a shootout. It's unfortunate, but it's not a division rival. It's not the worst thing. You still get a point. We beat the Senators, and then we go out against our, our one of our division rivals and beat them 4-1, and you predicted them to go 3-0. and And I don't blame you. You know, coming off those four games, you could see that they were getting better. They were improving. So your expectation is, okay, here we go. We're getting on the train again, and we're going to – we're gonna play the we're gonna play the Penguins now. It's gonna be the first game of the season. You know, we're gonna get some power plays. We're gonna convert on those power plays. Great. And then after that, we play Vancouver. You know, yeah, it's a decent team, but we're better. And then just absolute dog shit against the Canucks. 
terrible against the Penguins. It's just those first five periods of those two games combined. If you if you want to rewatch those games, just skip that. Skip it. Yeah. Just watch the third period against the Canucks. That's all you need to see. It's just it's frustrating. And and you know this is this is a team that I'm I'm afraid that that this will fuel Drury even more to make moves at the deadline, and that scares me. Now I'm glad you brought up Drury because. We're getting close to the deadline, you know, less than a month away now. And as you said, and as we've all yeah. seen, if you're just following every day, they, they've had clear holes in their lineup all year. And you and I have both been under the same agreement that we're fine if the Rangers make moves. We just don't want them to make moves that insinuate that you're going all in by giving up your future right now based on where this team is. We, You and I have been under the stance that we feel yeah. they're not there. You know, once Alexi Lafreniere, which is great, I'm so happy that Laffy is thriving and we're actually – seen more and more of the potential of why he was drafted first overall. And let's not forget that he has an unbelievably bright future. No one should be writing him off as a bust or anything like that yet, just because he didn't come out guns a blazing. I think that's a joke, but it's great to see him doing, uh, doing well. Kako, what is his impact going to be? You know, cause we have to remember that he should be back with the Rangers within a month, hopefully. Um, so what kind of impact is he going to have? Cause I do think he's going to benefit the team right away, but how rusty is he going to be? So, those guys, when they're full in the swing of things and thriving, getting you know upwards closer to their primes, that's where we feel the Rangers will be at their best. They're not there. They're not there right now, right? So, no. deal wise, talking about depth, that is what the Rangers should prioritize, in my opinion, at least. I think that they just need to really prioritize well-rounded depth. That's going to make this team better now, without giving up, of course, the future, without giving up, you know, your top picks and giving up your top prospects. There isn't a need to go all in to that extent. When naturally, if you just get that third line solidified, that is going to make a world of difference. Because outside of that, how much more do you think the Rangers should do defensively? Could you make the argument that maybe they should go after someone? You can make the argument, but at the same time, it's like that's a detriment then to the Rangers' future with Neil's on Quist, or of course. Uh, Zach Jones, or even to a lesser extent, because he's been doing well, you know, Braden Schneider. So do the Rangers want to block guys this early? I, I think that's a bad move. Personally, I want to see them continue to develop. But third line wise, that's why we talked about, you know, the Arturi Lekkonen's of the world. That makes sense. I, I think that's like exactly the type of thing that should happen. if they're going to be making moves depth wise. Center wise, I think is a really interesting thing because when I think about the Rangers and their center depth, Morgan Barron, I think, has very much strong potential to be, you know, at his peak, a very strong third-line center for the Rangers. But he's, he's not there right now, and he's not going to get the opportunities yet. So, guys that come to my mind, it makes me think of exactly how the Florida Panthers executed perfectly on a man that was bottom feeder minutes with the Flames after starting off his career hot, that being in Sam Bennett. I hope for the Rangers' sake, if they're going to be smart about adding a center, that they should try to go down a Sam Bennett route. Someone that's going to be RFA, you know, this upcoming offseason and really has maybe been underwhelming with this current club, but it could go directly ahead with just needing a change of scenery and has potential. I, I hope the Rangers go down a route like that and that they don't, of course, go all in. Like even a Phil Kessel that we talked about last week, you're giving up, you know, at most a third round pick for him, pick wise. I don't, I don't see how that's a bad thing. You know, that automatically gives you depth. Now, defensively, that doesn't help you. I will agree. You're not getting defense with Phil Kessel. So you are already are losing some of that. Um, but still, those are the type of moves that I feel are best for this team. It's just to add depth. This is not a team that I believe that should be going all in 
this year, even though that they've been playing far above expectations to the minds of many. Um, that's just kind of my stance. Now, who exactly would be someone like a Sam Bennett this year? That's a good question. I really don't know. I'll have to deep dive that. Um, if there's people in the live stream watching, if you have guys that come to your mind that's been rumored out there, whatever, let me hear it. I know that the Rangers have been linked to a lot of guys, especially from Anaheim, not Maxime Quintois, but I know the Rangers, at least according to reports, have been connected to um, uh, Ricard Raquel, who kind of gives me those Shane Doan vibes in the sense that I feel the Rangers have been connected to Ricard Raquel for at least the past four seasons. So he's a yeah. guy that stuck out. Same thing with Hampus Limholm, uh, which they're connected to. Um, those are two guys for Anaheim that the Rangers always seem to be connected to year in and year out for at least the past three, four years. So, Stephen, to kind of uh, pivot to you now, what guys do you think may potentially be that Sam Bennett type or just depth-wise <laughs> that you think would be better for this club to help make them more well-rounded come playoff time? Yeah, look, uh, there are names that I've mentioned over the last few months that I think would make our third line better. Uh, Warren Fogo of the Edmonton Oilers is one that's really high on my list. I think he would he would be a great addition to this team. Um, uh, Rasmus Kupari of the LA Kings, who not only fills that need on the third line, but also brings something we desperately lack, which is pace this team needs players that can enter the zone cleanly. And and I feel like a broken record at this stage, but again, it was an issue. It would, after that one game against the Capitals, we were having the same issue again. Um, uh, who else is out there? You know, the LA Kings are probably the, the one team that makes the most sense to make a trade with. Uh, I know. I know you're going to say the same thing over and over again. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not going to mention the same names, but our defense, our depth on defense and their depth at center is it's a perfect it's a match made in heaven um who else would be out there um maybe there's a trade to be made with ottawa ottawa has a couple of guys that are that are you know um either either ufa or rfa coming up you know chris tierney uh, i was just gonna say tierney tierney is a guy if you want to go for a rental he's not going to cost much um if you could add Tierney and Kessel to your third line, I think that really solidifies your depth uh, going into the postseason without giving up much. You would give up like a third and a fourth round pick. Um, if you want to go for someone who is a little bit higher on the on the on the on the food chain, so to speak, um, yeah, you could you could go after a guy like maybe. Um, Adam Godet, who's a little bit younger than Tierney, who's I would RFA. even say the same guy that I mentioned last week that the Rangers have been linked to is Andrew Cobb. Andrew Cobb of the Winnipeg Jets is is a name that I could see, but you know, old the names that you usually see online are the the, the sexier names, you know, like the the former top players like Mark Shifley. Yeah. Um, I don't <laughs> think the Rangers are in a position where they should go for a guy like Shifley. Um, and I has nothing against Shifley, but the Rangers just don't have the assets to, uh, you know, to or they have the assets, but they're not in a position to give up those assets at the moment. Um, yeah, it's tough, you know, who you're going to go after without without giving up the farm. Um, and it is important to note that the Rangers do have a lot of money that they're working for, working yeah. with at the deadline. But okay. How are you going to utilize that money? If you're going to do it yeah. by getting a bunch of guys that maybe are a little expensive, but they are UFAs, I'm okay with it as long as you aren't giving up, you know, the farm yeah. and doing that, you know, just yeah, don't. And, 
do that. <laughs> that's my point. And, and there's guys, there's other guys too, like Marcus Johansson. Uh, Yanni Gord is, is a guy that's been linked to the Rangers by fans mostly, but those are guys where you pay a little bit more, which I'm fine with if those players are part of your future. Yanni Gord would give, be fantastic. especially. I, I don't want to give up those assets for JT Miller because JT Miller is not going to be here past 2023. Yeah. And anyone who's UFA in 2023, I consider a rental. I, you get, you get, it's like Yandel. You, you get him for two postseasons. You're going to have to be really sure you're going to make some noise in the playoffs. And the Rangers aren't there yet. A guy that I'd be really intrigued with, even though he might not be easy to get, is Josh Norris of the Senators. Yeah, he won't be. That's a guy where you're going to have to cough up an arm and a leg for. Yeah, uh, so, he's, he's he's turning, I think he's turning 24 uh, in a couple of months. He's RFA this, this upcoming summer. Uh, but hey, who knows? Who knows? Um, conversations are, are always ongoing between general managers and look we we managed to get Zibanejad for Broussard which I think would also be the reason why they wouldn't make this trade because they don't want to you know they they, they don't want to make the same mistake twice yeah I think uh, the Senators are in a are in a little bit of a better spot than what they were when that yeah. trade transpired um but maybe look when you look at the Columbus Blue Jackets that the uh, where the Rangers had some scouts when the Blue Jackets played the Pan the Panthers we know they're not gonna not gonna go after players on the Florida Panthers because the Panthers are a contender this year. So who else is on that team that would make? Well, sense there's Max Domi that the Rangers have been connected to for a couple there years is, now. There is Max Domi. The he's a, he's, I, he's an interesting player, one because he's a the UFA. player. I would go after though is not Max Domi. I, the player I would go after is Jack Roslovic. I was just gonna say Roslovic. Yeah. Especially because you have control. Can Rosovic provide more for you than what Heedle can at the same position? Yeah. If if look, I would I would give up Heedle and a pick to get Rosovic. If 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 that's what it takes, um, you know, Rosovic is having a good season for them. He's RFA this summer. Um, I I don't know. Let me have a quick look at their cap situation for next season. They, they should have the cap space to, to would, sign. Would they get rid of yeah. Rothovic so quick, though? Because he's he's a Columbus native. Like, he actually wants to be there. From when he got tra- – granted, I don't know what his mindset is right now. I haven't – I'm not following Columbus on the daily. But I he's literally from there. He's like one of those rare players that actually appreciates putting on his – No, CJ no, of course. Game. But, look, it's, he's, he's RFA. He, yep. He's – it's not like he has a no move clause and he signed for a couple more years and he can and he can force his general manager to keep him on the team you know yeah um but i'm just saying i'm not saying that 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 he's available but if i would negotiate with columbus for one of their players yeah of course domi makes the most sense because he's a rental you know 5.3 million cap hit doesn't hurt the rangers when they go into the deadline with 32 million in cap space you can you can realistically add Kessel and Domi, and and still have twenty plus million in cap space to to, to add other players. Uh, imagine imagine adding Domi, Kessel, and Lekkonen at the deadline. That's a completely new third line that you're that you're adding. For for minimal assets. Yep. Um, but if if I were Drury, the player I would target on the Columbus Blue Jackets would be Jack Roslovic. But Look, it's probably not going to happen. I'm just spitballing here, as as we as we all are. Um, Roslovic does Roslovic does profile as that 
similarity to a Sam Bennett type in the sense that, you know, he he's had better years, you know, his, his, he had a great shortened season uh, with Columbus last year, 34 points in 48 games. What's happened this year. We'll look at the team around him too. I think that's fair. It has changed yeah. a little bit since last year with Columbus, not in a rebuild, but they're in a retool. They're just kind of, you know, in that limbo right now with the, yeah. the coaching change and everything. So I'm, I'm not against Rossovic. That is exactly the type of profile that I would want the Rangers to target especially yeah. center depth wise, get someone that has control that you you're not going to have to give up even a first round pick for. I don't even think you have to. Um, and yeah, that, that's exactly, uh, I think that's it. That's an upgrade over Heedle. Maybe that gives you willingness to even shift Heedle to the wing where I feel that he has been more productive throughout his young career. Like the, those are just type. That is exactly the type of player him and Andrew cop. Andrew cop stands out a lot to me too. Um, not yeah. just based on his contract status, but just based on what he would provide. Uh, those are the exact type of young depth players that I truly hope that the Rangers, if they're going to go after guys, which we know they will, those are the ones that I'm more so in favor of than others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, Warren Fogel is a, is a, almost a personal favorite of mine at this stage. Yeah. I think he's exactly what this team needs. Um, and, and you don't want to go all out with, with adding players who were here past this season, because we all know that next season you're going to get Sammy Blay back from his injury. Yep. Um, and Sammy Blay is not a solution for the top six, don't get me wrong. But for your bottom six, that he's going to take up one of those spots. Um, but, yeah, it, it's going to be tough for, for Chris Drury to make a, make a move where either you don't give up the farm or if you do get a player that's going to be part of this team's future. When we traded for Zibanejad in 2016, you know, even if we would have given up more, Let's say revisionist history, knowing what we know now, Gordon calls the senators and the senators say, we want Derek Broussard, a first round pick and a prospect. You still, you make that trade because it's a long-term investment. That's why I'm so against JT Miller because JT Miller is not a long-term investment. JT Miller is perfect for a team like the Florida Panthers, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, ironically, the Tampa Bay Lightning could really use them. Yeah, right. <laughs> Good point. Um, you know, the teams that 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 want to go over the top at the deadline that that are have no problem giving up a first and a top prospect because they are actually going for it. Um, and I mentioned this. Also, a couple of weeks ago, look at the Chicago Blackhawks in 2015. They gave up a first-round pick for Antoine Vermette, who was a rental. And it made sense for all teams involved. The Coyotes got a first-rounder, Vermette got his ring, and, and the, the Blackhawks got another Stanley Cup. And then in that summer, Vermette signed with the, with the Coyotes again for the exact same cap hit. That's yeah. unheard of. I've never seen that before. I probably will never see it. We see it since uh, for the exact same cap hit. But... That was a move that was easy to justify to your fans as well because you already have two cups worst case scenario it backfires you still have your two cups in the last four seasons the rangers don't have anything to fall back on well what what's drury gonna say when 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 this whole rebuild collapses because we went all in for one year and didn't win a cup oh we got one in 94. no there's nothing to fall back on we're not in a position yet to make those moves. Whereas Tampa Bay Lightning, 
it makes sense. The Carolina Hurricanes are, are probably the, the number one team in the league right now. Yeah. Them, it's always them and the Avs. That's how I felt. If if the Carolina Hurricanes make a move at the deadline where they give up a first and a prospect, their fans should not have have any issues with that because they know what they are. No, they are they're directly in their prime. The Rangers exactly. aren't there yet. Exactly. The Rangers aren't there yet. So I'm not comfortable making that kind of move. That said, if you want to go for a guy like Lekkonen or maybe go for some depth for some third line rentals that that cost you a third round pick or a fourth round pick, I'm all for it. You know, strengthen yeah. your core now to maybe try and make it to the second round in the playoffs because that's valuable experience that you're gaining for your young kids, for your veterans. Like, just look 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 at look at look at our veteran players. Would Panarin, Truba. Zabanajad, um, um, or maybe, maybe, yeah, they haven't made the playoffs in years. Zabanajad and Kreider haven't play, haven't played in the postseason since 2017. Shesh has one game that he played, and that was the play-in round. So for me, that's not even postseason. You have Fox, you have Lindgren, you have Miller. All these young players need this experience, and this this is one of the years where you where you need to go for that. You know, don't need to go for the cup. You need to go for, for that getting experience. I want the, the, guy, the guys that should be the heavy drivers and helping you go for a cup for multiple years on end. This yeah. is what it's time to get their feet wet. Exactly, exactly. You know, uh, uh, get 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 your 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 experience in the playoffs. I want the Rangers to play seven games. That's if the Rangers play seven games this postseason, I'm happy because it means they either made it to a game seven and lost. Or they made it to the second round. If they if they play a, a gruesome series against the Penguins or the Capitals, and they make it to Game Seven, I'll be happy because that's great experience to have for this team. Yeah, no, I agree. If they can do a Game Seven, even if it's just one round, that'd be great. And who knows? Look, Rangers they may surprise a lot of people this playoffs. They may get cut short, which would suck. Cause again, I just want to mm. see them grind at grind it out. They've proven this year. They are willing to play with some of these top dogs, maybe not to the degree that we would like, but mm. for a team really their first year of being a win now team outside of the rebuild slash retool, they've been awfully impressive. Now it's just a matter of, okay, what's going to happen at that deadline yeah. and how do they build on that come playoff time? Yeah. To, 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 illust- to, to illustrate the problem with the Rangers, to put it this way, let's say you give up a first round pick, Braden Schneider and Brennan Othman to add JT Miller to strengthen your your depth, right? Yeah. You're one injury away from Dryden Hunt being back in the top six. Yeah. That's my problem. That- Agreed. I, I don't I don't want the Rangers to give away Brennan Othman, especially. And, and not just because of how stellar of a year he's been having, but he looks like someone that very well could be making an impact on the Rangers. Well, slightly sooner than maybe what we would expect. I also don't think Othman's going to get traded because he was Chris Drury's first ever draft pick. That's that's true as well. He's not going to give up on him just yeah. this this early, no chance. No, uh, but let's he, he's going to get every opportunity to show what he can do before they before they move on from him. Yes, yes. If and rightfully so if you're a GM and you make your picks. You do the same exact thing. Uh, but getting into a couple questions now before we look at the upcoming schedule to wrap things up. Mm-hmm. Thomas, a great friend and supporter on the channel, says, would you be opposed to training for JT Miller? I think we just kind of answered that already. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. not the fact that we would be against JT, just a matter of what you would have to give up to get for him 
is the biggest issue as to why we are probably more so against than we are for. Really don't if, think if that this, there's... If this was 2023 or 2024 where we had made the playoffs in previous years, I'd probably be more inclined to make this trade. Yeah. It's it's different circumstances right now. And that's why at the right price, awesome. But he he's he's one of, if not the highest commodity at the deadline, which if means you can, the only way you're going to land him. You can get him for, for a conditional first and a, and a prospect or a conditional first, Hedl and, <coughs> I don't know, Kravtsov. You know, players that you want to move on from anyway. I'm all for it, but that's not going to happen. Yeah, no, that, that seems way too low for him. Yeah. And again, there's no guarantee he's even going to be dealt. There's been a lack of willingness from what I've seen in recent reports that the Canucks would part with him. So we'll yeah. see. Um, let's say uh, Jack asks, who's our least favorite Ranger? Um, all time they, or current? I think he's mean all time. I mean, pardon me, uh, current. Um, so for me, there's a couple. Obviously, I think we kind of touched on it. It's nothing personal, but... For me personally, I would probably say that my least favorite Ranger, oof, I really think it has to be, I think it has to be Nemeth just because of how tired I am of seeing Nemeth types in the Rangers defense. Um, that's why. Dryden Hunt, while I don't like him, like I don't believe he is deserving to be in the lineup, he's not as much of a detriment to this team as Nemeth has in numerous occasions on that bottom pair, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, my my problem with with Dryden Hunt is that he's played in the top six. Uh, yeah, if you if you were on the fourth line, it's a different discussion. Exactly. Patrick Nemeth is struggling on the third pair. That's that's a whole different situation. Um, yeah. And nothing personal against Nemeth, but Nemeth is not an NHL player this season. He's not an NHL caliber defenseman. And yet he's being trotted out there as if he is. I know. And um, and and that's part of the part of the issue here. You know, we can all see that Zach Jones is better than Patrick Nemeth, and Zach Jones has one puck deflect off his skate to go into our own net, and he's back <laughs> in, the, in the in the press box. It's so frustrating. But Nemeth 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 gets to push upon, and this is see. His, his lack of defense is one issue, but what really frustrates me is that he continues to push opponents into his own freaking goalie. We, we are already struggling to keep Shashorkin healthy as it is. I don't need one of our defensemen to assassinate him on a, on a, on a nightly basis. And, yep. and he's just overwhelmed out there. Mark Stahl was less of a detriment in his final year as a Ranger than than Patrick Nemeth is right now. And that's saying a lot. Yeah, that is saying a lot, yes. Because Stahl, uh, we all love Stahl. We all love Girardi when they were in their primes. But when it got to that latter half, they just, they they were far more negative than they were positive, to put it lightly. Um, but, okay, let's get into another comment here from Michael. Says, um, Wardy, after the trade deadline, can you guys do a review on Drury so far? Also, oh. have you been, uh, how have you been feeling about Gallant as methods play style uh yeah we'll definitely i think yeah. we might I actually, make a actually video on it but like we'll break it yeah. down you know how we feel he's done over yeah. you know a year I, plus. I, I, I like that idea because then we have two points of reference to go over we have the off season with free agency and we have the deadline yeah the deadline's going to dictate a lot if this is chris drury talking or if this is a, a type of glenn sather influence 
That should not be the case. Uh, it, it's really not going to be that hard to figure out what exactly his vision is after the deadline. Yeah. Um, yeah. But to answer also, um, what I've, how have I been feeling about Galan's methods? I've been enjoying a lot about Galan. I got to be honest with you. And I think what's so important about someone like him as a coach is that, yes, is he a veteran coach? Yes, he, he's been to multiple places and he has not uh, won a championship. He got really close, of course, with Vegas, uh, but he struggled. But something that I've noticed with Galan is that even for his age, he has a certain level of willingness to adapt throughout a season, which I feel that is very difficult to find with coaches mm -hmm. of his style. Usually is, yeah. he, is he perfect by any stretch? No, but I've seen a willingness from him. That's greater than I've seen from previous coaches and, and fellow coaches across the league. And I think that's really important. Yeah. So I think Galant is really strong for what the Rangers have right now. He's getting the best out of a lot of these players and is going to help de the development, hopefully, Lafreniere, as long as he stays getting good playing time, same thing with Kako, et cetera. But with Galan, and the reason why he hasn't had you know crazy success outside of just being you know more in the win column than the loss column, coaching-wise, is coaches like him have a shelf life. And I understand that every coach has a shelf life, but so does Gerard Galan. He's someone where, over these next couple of years, it's going to be unbelievably crucial to see what are the development of these young kids? Because I understand it's not all on him, but especially if you take away opportunities to develop when these are guys that should be part of your core going forward, that's going to be vital, in my opinion, on the success of the Rangers one way or the other. Um, so, Galan, I'm really enjoying his style. I like the fact that he has that willingness to adapt instead of just being completely stubborn. Uh, especially, again, especially for his age, huge hats off to him because that's not something that I think you see a lot. Uh, with coaches that are similar types, but he does have a shelf life. So I'm enjoying Galan a lot now, same way I enjoyed Elaine Vigneault a hell of a lot in his first year with the New York Rangers. It doesn't take too long to go down a slippery slope and realize that a guy maybe hit his peak early coaching-wise with a team or just doesn't know how to simply adjust. Galan will have a shelf life, but that adjustment factor may very well be something that keeps him with the Rangers longer than guys that have similar styles to him. Yeah. What I like about Gallant is how comfortable the players are playing under him. Compared yeah. to the last couple of years under Quinn, it's night Agreed. and day. Um, and when Chris Knoblock was behind a bench last season, when Quinn was out with COVID, that was probably the nail in the coffin for Quinn because you could tell that the players were playing without any fear. You know, there was no pressure. They weren't looking over their shoulder to see if they were doing the right thing. They were just out there playing hockey. And and the same thing is happening under Gallant. They, they, they aren't afraid to make mistakes, which is great. Um, I don't know how long he's going to stay here. Uh, I don't think he's ever coached with the team for more than three years. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. But... The players just seem like they're more comfortable under him, which which is what I wanted to see. He's by no means perfect. I, I still think there are things about his lineup decisions that, that frustrate me uh, and other fans too. But it's not as egregious as it was under Quinn. Yep, well said. Agreed. Um, we'll answer one or two questions here before we get out of here for the upcoming schedule to wrap things up. Um, let's see. There was one that I saw that I thought was good. Um, shoot. I almost, I, okay, here it is from quack says I want Jesper fastback. 
Could we please make that happen? Now, it's interesting talking about yes, we're fast when you think about the Rangers' complete lack of depth on this team, right? That in part started when the Rangers decided not bring yes for fast back. They didn't want to go like a three-year deal on him, um, which I believe is what he got with Carolina when he signed there. And fast is someone where I don't see the Rangers training for, but could be available um, if he hits the free agent market after next season. So not something I would see in the near future. I'd be a little surprised if the Rangers rekindled a relationship too, uh, just because they they moved on from that era, I think, in uh, certain aspects. But yeah, I mean, look, Jesper Fast is, is such a good glue player to have. You can throw him anywhere. Just think about how much better the Rangers would be right now if they had Jesper Fast back on that second line, uh, like when Panera was first with the Rangers versus Dryden Hunt right now. That's, that's a significant difference because you don't just get someone that is defensively sound. He can provide offensively. Yes, you're not going to get a crazy map from him, but you don't need that when Artemi Panarin and Ryan Strom are leading the way. So he's he's a perfect complement. He always was. Um, the Rangers have definitely been struggling on that right wing depth after losing him because, unfortunately, things didn't go right, especially with Krasov, uh, among others. Um, but, yeah, maybe maybe uh, after next season, if he becomes available for agent-wise, I don't see Carolina trading him, though. You can tell that he's been a strong fit for them. And why would he want to leave either? Even if they ask him, you know, we'll he's do the best in the league. He's, he's chasing that ring this season. Yep. Yeah. Not, and, not a guy I see leaving Carolina just yet. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, look, I, I love Jesper Foss. I think he's one of the most likable players this team has had in a long time. Um, but I think for the Rangers, it's it's their goal should be to find the next Jesper Fast, not to go after the current one. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's something that the Rangers should be able to develop. You develop mm-hmm. one before. Depth players are not necessarily fairly easy to develop, but that's something that isn't outlandish whatsoever, especially if you have a guy that maybe is of a similar yeah. profile. Um, yeah. But with that being said, let's shift now into the upcoming schedule for the Rangers uh, before we get out of here because – Rangers' upcoming schedule is interesting. They have some tough games. They have some games that shouldn't be tough on paper. But as you said, the Devils, they've been they've been playing well lately. So next three games for the Rangers starts tomorrow at the time of recording this, Wednesday night, against the St. Louis Blues. That is Pavel Buchnevich's return against the New York Rangers. He's destined to at least get one goal. So if you guys are in a betting, I would definitely go for that one, at least one goal. I would even maybe go the over. Um, and then you also have uh, on Friday, it will be against the Devils. Uh, again, they've been playing strong hockey lately. And then the Winnipeg Jets in Winnipeg uh, before we will be back here recording at the earliest uh, Monday, the 7th. Um, so I'm assuming we won't talk again until Monday. Uh, there is a decent chance we may not talk again until Wednesday after that wild game. Um, so could go either way. Uh, Steven, what what do you think should be should we uh, predict for the next three games or next four games? What do you what are you thinking? Well, this is going to be interesting because I'm flying to New York on Saturday. Oh, true. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, um, I don't know. I don't know what my uh, chances are to record next week because I'm <laughs> flying to Minnesota on Monday and then fly through to St. Louis on Wednesday. On Friday, I drive to Chicago. And then on Saturday, fly back to New York. So I'll only be back probably next week, Sunday. Okay. With a decent opportunity to record. So um, let's see. Four or five. Should we just predict until, I guess, the 14th at least? 
on for the for the Dallas game. So we have six games. Okay. Uh no, for the do you Anaheim wanna game. do you do you wanna do do you wanna do two separate? So we have three and three, two separate predictions. Or do you want to make a one big one for six all six games? Well, if we don't do an episode until you know the at least mm. the game against Anaheim on the fifteenth, you might as well yeah. just do it all in one, right? Yeah. Okay, okay. Let, let's do that. You're the you're the champ, so think heavily about this. This is six games, Steven. Six. I know. That's a lot. <laughs> uh I'm gonna go, let's see. Uh one, two, three. I'm gonna go three, one, and two. Oh, sorry, three, two, and one. All right, yeah, make sure you have that written down. Yeah. Okay. Three, two, and one. Uh, I'm going to go. Whew, this is gonna be tough. I'm going to go over these next six, three. Ooh. Three, one, and two. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Now, the goals prediction. Do I go first because I have the belt, or do you go first? Yeah, I yeah. I, I would, I would say you go first. Okay, because that makes it easier for you. Okay, it, okay. Yeah. I see what no, you're no, doing. it doesn't make it easier for me. It makes it easier for you. Uh, not really. Well, anyway, you first pick. So, like, if you're set in stone on something, you get it first. Is my point. Uh, let's see. Six games. Uh, I have to pick up the scoring eventually, right? <laughs> Six games. I'm gonna go with twenty. Okay. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna stay a little conservative. I'm gonna go with nineteen. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Yeah. Let's hope there's like one blowout game where they score like seven. <laughs> I is. hope so. I, I make again. If you win, I'm not complaining. You know, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's not a big deal. Um, but I do want to address two donations here in the live stream before we wrap things up. Quack, thank you so much for the ten dollar donation. Really appreciate your support. And Michael, thank you so much for the five dollar donation. It says enjoy the road trip, Steve. Stay uh, safe travels. So yeah, yeah I will also be uh, attending the Ducks game at Madison Square Garden. So if anyone's going to the game and you and you notice a weird jersey, yeah, just come up to me and say hi. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you guys all so much for listening, watching, wherever you get your podcast. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Okay. This is Rangers Review episode 49, which means yeah. that when we look at the Rangers jersey history of the number, the only player that crosses my mind is Laurie Payunemi, but that isn't even an official one. Nope, because he hasn't played a game yet, but he does have 49 assigned to him this season. So if he does play this season... He will be the fourth Ranger to ever wear number 49. Uh, the three prior to him, uh, Ilka Heikkinen, Dan Fritsch or Fritschy. I don't know how, to, uh, how was it? is it Fritschy or Fritsch? I don't know. I don't, I don't that, know. That was like 2008, 2009. I was living in South Africa back then, so I missed that entire season. Uh, and the first player to ever wear number 49 for the New York Rangers in the 2007-2008 season, he played a total of six games, was a minus two, uh, and only played four games elsewhere in the NHL, Greg Moore. No clue. Nope. 
no clue. Greg Moore is one of those names where you're like, that 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 could be that could be anyone. It's such a it's such a random name, you know. It's like such such a common name. Yeah, it's a it's a very normal yeah. name. <laughs> That's yeah, it. Greg Moore. It's like 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 Michael Thomas or when the Dallas Stars drafted uh, Thomas Harley. <laughs> Thomas and the GM Harley. called him Harley Thomas. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's, and I still have to think, you know, when, when I still have to think which which is the right one. I'm, I'm going to check it now because otherwise I make, a, I make a fool of myself. Okay. Uh, yeah, so his name is Thomas Harley and the general manager announced the draft pick as Harley Thomas. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> that that's a, that's that's a funny laugh to cap things off here. So yeah. love that. And again, oh, oh, before we forget, happy Steven. birthday! Happy birthday to Tarmo Riunanen. Oh, happy birthday, Tarmo! It makes sense why you have his jersey behind you right now. If you're watching, and on tomorrow, YouTube. happy birthday to the king. Oh, there you go. Okay, couple awesome Ranger birthdays. Love to yep. see that. So again, happy birthday to Tarmo. Happy birthday to the Kane, as always, tomorrow. I'll probably tweet something out about it. But, yeah, that, that's going to do things for Rangers Review, episode 49. Thank you guys so much again for listening. We'll be back hopefully within the next, you know, week and a half, two weeks, because Steven's going to be going on his trip to the States, and he'll be at a Ranger game uh, against Anaheim Ducks. So hopefully we'll get a recording in before that. Thank you guys so much again. I uh, hope you all have a safe um, and fine rest of your next week or so, and we'll talk to you soon. Let's go, Rangers. Let's go, Rangers.